This is the Millennial Movement Podcast, delivering you the most exclusive insights from the top entrepreneurs and influencers from around the world. Hosted by business owner and influencer, Ricky Wynn. Now on to the show. Yo, what's up, guys? You're now tuned in to the Millennial Movement Podcast, starring your host, Ricky Wynn. Guys, today we have a special guest on the show. He's a chairman of Build Your Empire Company. He's generated hundreds of million dollars in various different companies. Guys, give it up for John Malai. John, how are you doing today, man? <laughs> I'm doing great. So, um, like you said, at, at 15, you kind of got into a felony. Can you kind of go back and explain, like, what happened during the time, you know, like, uh, at the early age of, you know, having a heart attack and being a, uh, having a felony? Of course, being on on your uh, podcast, I'm, I'm humbled and I'm excited to be here to share. And, you know, I, I don't I don't have all the things that society says you're supposed to have to be successful. You, you know how society has a way of putting people in boxes, you know, color of skin, gender, uh, education. In my case, it was my lack of education. You know, I don't have a, a college degree. I don't even have a high school diploma because of that, you know, I, I end up doing exactly what society expected from a 10th grade dropout. You know, I, I found myself uh, working at the General Electric plant uh, as a custodial engineer. Now, I say that uh, with a little bit of a smirk because if you know what a custodial engineer is, <laughs> I was a janitor, man. I was I was sweeping another man's floors. I was scrubbing another man's toilets. I was frustrated working paycheck to paycheck. I was struggling to keep up with the big mouth promises I made to family, friends, and, and bill collectors. I was I was getting nowhere very very fast. I, I felt like uh, I felt like a hamster on a wheel. You know, I'm, I'm running real real fast, and every now and then I would get off the wheel. I'd call in slick or or whatever, and, and I realized I'm in the exact same spot. I was building someone else's dream at the expense of my own. And so I, I was fortunate that uh, prior to that uh, experience, I had a I had a world-class entrepreneur come into my life kind of in, a, in a, a weird, twisted sort of way, you know, some events that took place where I found myself locked in a, a detention facility and and, in a, and eventually in a, a drug rehabilitation program where I had people there that saw more in me than I saw in myself. And when I was, uh, when I was 15 years old, I had my first felony arrest at 15 years old. And, and that set a lot of things in motion at the time that seemed very negative. Later on, as I look back, some of those things turned out to be blessings in disguises. You don't know it when you're going through it. But then uh, when I was released from a detention facility, I found myself in my neighborhood, the crack epidemic had hit pretty hard. And I ended up at 17 having a heart attack from smoking cocaine. So I was just, I was at the, I was at the bottom, bottom, you know, I, all I had to my name was the clothes on my back. I had the shoes on my feet and the jeans and the sweatshirt that I owned. And that was it. I had damaged or destroyed all the relationships around me. Uh, everything it seemed like everything I touched turned to crap. And that was really my story. And, and But it, it was in those facilities where personal development entered my life, where a guy named Dave, he gave me this book called How to Win Friends and Influence People. And, and that book set in motion everything that came after that. Now, things didn't happen as fast as I would have liked them to, or I wish I could you know, tell you that I had this rags to riches story and it happened overnight, but it was, it was a long, long journey. Later on in life, I ended up being mentored by a guy named Les Brown, and we ended up actually writing a book together called The Power of One. Uh, that was years and years ago. But Les Brown one time said, he said, jump and the net will appear. And I tell people all the time that I jumped, but I bounced off the pavement about 15 times before that damn net ever showed up to catch me. Uh, so there's been a lot of trials and tribulations that have gone through that process that, that have led me you know, here where, you know, now people want to, you know, hear from me, they, you know, guys like you are asking me to be on their podcast. And I appreciate that. I'm extremely humbled by it because, you know, my background would suggest that uh, uh, I should not have the success. I should not have reached the levels that, uh, that I have been fortunate to reach, but it really isn't. It's never been about me. It's always been about other people. It's been about the right people, uh, the right contacts. I'm weak in so many different areas. You know, I, I can't spell very well. My math is not so good, but I've, I've been able to surround myself with people that were 
were strong in the areas that I was weak. So that's basically, I come from humble beginnings. And, and now today we're, we're fortunate that we're leading up some, some very large organizations and having a great time doing it. So, you know, like you say, you, you're not supposed to be in the position you are now with the success, but you know, it's amazing that the things that happened before in the past, year, that it didn't really stop you from who you are today or what you want to become or what you wanted to do. You know, that kind of kind of basically took it, you know, the negative. You just basically turned yourself around. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it used to be painful to talk about, you know, but over the years, uh, I, I've been fortunate to have some incredible mentors come into my life and say, look, you've got to tell these stories. You've got to let people know. Uh, and what I started to discover that I wasn't the only one messed up in the world. I mean, you, you shared a little bit of your story with me. So we all have our challenges. We've all been through things. And, and I think what, what was happening for me in the early days, I would see all these people and they, they were like swans on the lake. They all were beautiful. They looked like everyone looked like they had their shit together, except for me. I was like the ugly duckling. And that's how I felt I was I had low self-esteem I, I was uh, in, in a depressive state on a regular basis you know I grew up in a neighborhood that I always felt like I didn't really belong in this neighborhood I, I was uh, uh, I was sort of you know you, you can't you can't pick your family you can't pick where you're, you're born and, and I was born in, in a house that was uh, had been ripped apart by drugs and, and alcohol and that type of thing I lost my sister when she was 21 years old to a heroin overdose my, my brother to this day is uh, 40 40 some years old and um, he probably weighs 60 70 pounds teeth are missing. He spends his entire day uh, feeding his heroin addiction. And it's sad to see. It's amazing that he's actually still alive. You know, when I was when I was 15 years old, I did what we did in, the, in our neighborhood. And I, I went into a movie theater. I didn't intend to rob the movie theater at that time, but we were being disruptive in the movie theater and they asked me to leave. And back then I used to carry a 44 Magnum pistol in uh, my starter jacket that I used to wear. And, and uh, I, I said, OK, I'll, I'll leave, but I want my money back. They said, read your ticket stub. There, there are no refunds. And at that point, I pulled out the gun and I said, well, give me everybody's money back. Uh, I, I guess it's a little bit funny today, yeah. but it wasn't funny back then because that led to uh, uh, some challenging times in my life. Of course, uh, locked in a juvenile detention facility for quite a while. And, and, um, and, that, and, and of course, the, the challenge with those facilities, even today, is that it really was never about rehabilitation. It wasn't necessarily about becoming more or doing better. I was there with a bunch of other criminals that, that thought when they get out, they were just weren't going to get caught, that they were going to do better. They're going to be better criminals in the future. And that was kind of the direction I was heading in, uh, except for when I got out, uh, drugs were hitting hard. And, and uh, you know, I had a lot of friends that were the capitalists in the neighborhood. And, and uh, that didn't work out so well for me because I, I liked the product too much. So I became a, a heavy consumer, which, of course, led to, uh, you know, some of the worst times in my life where I almost lost my life because of because of that that drug. And and again, but but again, looking back, um, when I did end up back in a, a drug rehabilitation for some, uh, some other circumstances hit where I was locked in this facility, so I couldn't go anywhere. So I was forced to deal with my issues. I, it was in there that someone held the mirror to my face and they said, look, you know, where you are today, you made an appointment to be here five years ago. You can blame your, your dad. You can blame your mom who had left when you were a kid. You can blame society, police, the politicians, whatever you want to blame. You can blame all that, the school system. But in the end, it was you. <laughs> and and because I never took responsibility for anything. You know, it was easy to blame everybody else. And it was everybody else's fault. But it was in that facility where, where people really showed me that, no, all of my issues, 100% were because of me. And matter of fact, that was the bad news. He said, he, you know, I had a mentor that told me, he said, look, five years ago, you made an appointment to be where you are today. This was, this was you, this was your appointment. And that was the bad news. I was in the worst place of my life. But, uh, but he, he pointed out to me, the good news is you can make a new appointment today. 
you could make a new appointment today and, and in five years from now, you could be in a completely different place. And, and I took that seriously. So I, I dove into personal development. I, I read everything I could get. I realized I, I was never going to be a rapper. I wanted to be a rapper. <laughs> that was never going to happen. Eminem had already hit hard. He, you know, you can only have one good white rapper at a time. <laughs> you know, I thought I thought maybe, but uh, no, it wasn't going to happen. I didn't I didn't have <laughs> I didn't have a lot of those skills. I didn't have a talent. I didn't have a degree. I didn't have you know I, I dropped out of high school in the tenth grade. I didn't have these things, so you know I didn't know. I thought you had to be born in the house with the Rolls Royce already in the garage. You know <laughs> that's what I thought. Uh, but a whole new world opened up to me when it when it came to personal development. That I realized I could get out of this neighborhood. I could get out of this situation through entrepreneurship. I had no idea that that was even available to someone like me until it was showed to me in this uh, uh, drug facility. And when I discovered entrepreneurship, everything changed. I basically, you know, <laughs> my addiction to cocaine turned into my addiction for business. Okay. So with the energy, the same, you know, persistence. Look, because I never missed a chance to get high. Trust me on this, that, you know, there wasn't a night I said, well, I didn't have money. I'm not going to get high tonight. You know, Tuesday night, I'm not going to get high tonight. It was every night I found a way to feed my habits. It's a testament to the power of the mind. When we really want something bad enough, we'll find a way to go get it. And I found a way every single night to feed that demon that that almost killed me. And uh, But I, I went after entrepreneurship when I discovered it and I discovered the possibilities. I went after that with that same relentless approach that I did, you know, to my drug of choice. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So, uh, so tell me, like, when when were you in like the drug like uh, rehabilitation center? Like, were you uh, in like you know your mid like uh, you know teenage years, like seventeen, eighteen? Like, yeah, I was. Yeah, I, I went into uh, a detention facility when I was fifteen. I came out, and then by the time I was seventeen, I was full full blown uh, drug addict. Okay. So by uh, before I turned eighteen, I was back in another facility uh, trying to get cleaned up after having a heart attack from smoking cocaine and trying to get things straightened up. And so, yeah, so most of this happened. My last the last time I was arrested, I was uh, twenty about twenty four years old, and I had a daughter uh, that was two years old at the time, Lauren, and uh, it was in a in a grown man's facility uh, with with some serious hardcore criminals uh, that I had made a decision that uh, I, I would not live like this, that I, I made a decision that those days were over, that I, I would not live like this any longer. And so after 24, I was never arrested again, uh, never did drugs again after that. And so everything from that point on was in pursuit of, of legacy. You know, in the beginning, it was pursuit of success. You know, and I always say success is when you add value to yourself. Then it became about significance. And, you know, when you catch on to what significance is, significance is when you add value to others. And now for me, it's about legacy. Doing, you know, shows like this, hopefully, maybe there's somebody you know, watching it, even if it's one person that's maybe inspired just enough to make some changes in their life. And, you know, that's about what legacy is about for me now. It's, you know, what do I leave behind when I'm gone? So I was saying like, you know, like around like 24 after everything that happened, yeah. was that the last time, you know, you said you stopped? Is that when you, you know, you picked up a personal development bucket, you started to shift your life, take everything to entrepreneurship and change that to business? Yeah, you know, the the, the situation is I, I when I was 17 years old, I was given the book, How to Win Friends and Influence. Okay, so it's back when you were younger, 17. Okay. So things were already sort of in motion, but I, I always say I had one foot in the hood and I had one foot in a book, you know, until I was 24 years old. I was still stuck in the hood, but I it was at that point where I decided I was going to figure out a way to get out of this environment because look we be we become the combination of the people we hang around with environment that we're in the books we read and the seminars that we attend and I and my environment was was not so good so I knew I had to change I had to change all these different areas and so when I was finally you know at, at 20 roughly 24 years old that's when I, I made a decision to make these changes and I started then to really pursue those changes awesome awesome so I get it now so what can you explain what is your company you know um 
Build Your Empire and what do you guys do specifically? Yeah, yeah. Build Your Empire is, is my passion play, man. It's uh, Build Your Empire is uh, uh, what we do is we provide content, products, services, and mentorship to entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs. And, and of course, our our, uh, our big audience right now is the millennials. And now, you know, we, we're now we're getting people younger, even younger than the millennials that are, are seeing, you know, what we provide. But we're, we're big on coaching and developing. I, mean, I have a passion for entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship literally saved my life. And so every chance I get now, I'm speaking speaking all over the world and, and uh, you know, rubbing shoulders with some of the great influencers that we see on social media. But this platform, Build Your Empire, where we've got, I think we're now approaching 1.5 million followers on Instagram and it's growing, you know, fast, you know, 6,000, you know, four, 6,000 people a week. Uh, and we're doing events now. We've got a magazine, you know, we got a social media agency and we're building an entertainment company along with it. So yeah, a lot of great things are coming from it. And you know, the entrepreneur is really resonating today. Look, you can be a rock star. You can be that rapper by being an entrepreneur. You, you can get that fame and fortune and all those things that people think they want, but something bigger than that can come out of it. And that's fulfillment. All of Ricky, all of the problems that, that we face in our society today, it won't be solved by the government. You know, it, it never gets solved by the government. In fact, the government puts things in place to slow things down. Usually it'll be solved by you and I entrepreneurs finding problems in the marketplace and then creating solutions for those problems. The, the, the healthcare crisis, the energy crisis, you name it, the financial crisis, it's always, always, always uh, going to be solved by entrepreneurs. How, what do you see, you know, people are doing that entrepreneurs, like young entrepreneurs, they can take, you know, the extra step or extra leap to make the change in, in this society? Yeah, man. Look, I believe that we're, we're taking a spark and, and putting gasoline on it. You know, we're finding, especially, you know, in, in the millennial category, these these young entrepreneurs that, that don't want to go and sit in a cubicle 12 hours a day. They don't want to be in a factory for eight to 12 hours a day. But if you give them something fulfilling, if you give them, you know, something meaningful, you know, they get they get attached to it quickly and, and they will be the change agents for this entire society. I'm convinced of that. So I'm, I'm just happy to you know, say and proud to say that, you know, we put an 18 year old in as CEO. We've got uh, Casey Adams. If you haven't seen Casey Adams, he's got one of the top podcasts, you know, out there today. He's, he's crushing it, man. He's so well connected. And he's just, it's amazing to me to see someone that young, that powerful. And uh, I'm just super proud of him. And then we've got this whole crew, my partner, Josh Denny, him and I both just really believe in raising up this next generation and really helping you guys avoid the things that we went through. You know, you know, what took me five years to do, you guys could get done in two years, you know, we can speed up the process if, if people are humble enough and open enough to receive the information. We can help you avoid the, the, the pitfalls and the potholes and, and all these traps that are out there today because we've already been through them. So, you know, I like to say we've already got our legs blown off in the minefield. There's no need for you to have that happen to yourself. What is it like to work with someone like Casey Adam personally? How, how is he? Casey's the beast, man. He's uh, he's a workhorse. You know, a lot of people have a misconception of, you know, young people want to, you know, play and party, smoke weed, play Xbox all day, that type of thing. That is that is not the case uh, at all. And that's it. It's a cliche and it's a stereotype. And just like a lot of stereotypes out there, they're not necessarily true. Yeah, Casey is a, he's a beast. He's he's a, a, a brilliant, you know, young businessman, a brilliant young entrepreneur, and he's getting better and better every day. It's great to watch his growth, you know, uh, every single day. He's he's making connections. He'll work around the clock. He'll outwork, you know, most people. You know, you, you know Casey, is uh, is relentless in his pursuit uh, for greatness, 
for that next level. And he's also got a passion for people. You know, this is this is what I really love about Casey. He's got a passion for other people. He'll take a back seat, you know, to lift, you know, somebody else, to help other people rise. And that, those are the type of people I want to be around, people that realize this, it's, it's not just me, myself, and I, that, you know, to build something significant, to build something great, it's got to be about other people. It's got to be a collaboration. And he's, he's a great connector and a great collaborator. What's the first step for someone to build a business who doesn't have money? You know, you built a, a successful business. So. Yeah, you know, well, <laughs> the first step, first and foremost, you got to you got to get it up here. No, nothing happens until we get the mind right. I, when I look back and I look at my biggest challenges, my biggest challenges were my own mind. It was my own mindset. Why do you say mindset is the most important thing to, to first start in business? Yeah, man, for sure. Because let, let me show you how it works. Most people today, they look at the results. So let's say let's say you're looking at John Malott and you're looking at my results. You know, my last company that I built, you know, we got to $200 million a year in revenue. So people look at that and like, oh, wow, $200 million a year. They see the results. But here's how it all began. Whenever I'm working with someone, when I'm doing coaching and mentoring you know, for people, I have them work backwards. So I look at their results, whatever they are, big, small, doesn't matter to me, but let's, I work backwards from the result because the result comes from their activity. Of course, that activity comes from their behavior. You know, how we act today, our behavior drives our activity, what we're willing to do, what we're willing not to do. That comes from our behavior. So our behavior is going to drive the activity. But where does our behavior come from? Our behavior comes from our attitude. You know, so I'll hear people talk about, you know, you got a bad attitude or you need an attitude adjustment. You've heard this, right? You, you know what I'm talking about. And we meet a lot of people today with bad attitudes. I don't know why they have bad attitudes, but well, now I do know why they have bad, bad attitudes. I'll walk you through it. So the attitude is what drives the behavior. Then the behavior drives the activity. The activity gets you the results. So if we keep working backwards, let's go from the attitude. The attitude comes from your belief. It comes from your mindset. It comes from everything that you've been programmed and conditioned to believe. But where does, and, and then the belief, the belief comes from thinking. So everything starts from thinking. So if you want to change, let's say the criminal mindset, the criminal mindset comes from someone's thinking. They're criminals because they think like criminals. You, we put them in maximum security facilities that, that doesn't change their mindset at all. Matter of fact, it may, it may you know, enhance it. It may make it even worse. But if you want to change someone's uh, results, you've just got to work all the way backwards until you get to their thinking. And then you got to focus on the thinking. Here's here, an exercise that I would do with, uh, with our clients is I would have them visualize in their mind's eye, close your eyes, close your eyes, and in your mind's eye, visualize a white elephant. You know, Get a clear picture of a white elephant as clear as you can inside of your mind's eye. Now, here's what we've discovered thanks to uh psychology we know that the mind is capable of holding on we've got about 50 to 100,000 thoughts that are going through our mind every single day every single day but here's what we know for sure the mind isn't isn't it seems like they're happening all at once but they're not they're happening one at a time one at a time super fast super fast but it's not a hundred thousand different thoughts necessarily there's a lot of different thoughts in there but a lot of it's the same thoughts. We're recycling the same stuff over and over in our mind. We're thinking about it. Now, here's the challenge with that. For most people in our society today, it's like eating a junk food diet every single meal. It's negativity that we're recycling. What we are told we could do, what we are told we couldn't do. We're told that we're not this, we're not that. We start to believe that stuff. So when I do the white elephant exercise, I tell people, look, now... That white elephant is going to pop up like two days from now. Ricky, you might be just driving down the road and you might see a white elephant pop up in your mind. Here's what that tells us, that you can recondition and reprogram your thinking. So you 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 want to change someone's attitude? Well, you can't do it by telling them they got a bad attitude. That's never going to do it. You got to go back to the source, to their beliefs, and then to their thinking, and you can start to work there. That's why reading the books, that's why attending the seminars, getting on a podcast like this, someone might pull out some nugget out of here that now is stuck in that loop. 
that's replaying. But what you know what it did? It has to push out another thought because we're only we're only going to have X amount of thoughts at any given time. So if you start reconditioning your thinking with positivity, with you know information about building and and faith and building up instead of tearing down, all of a sudden, man, your results are happening, and you don't even know how it happened. But it's because you reprogrammed your thought. I I didn't mean to get you know <laughs> too off too far off on a tangent, but I hope I hope you get what I'm saying. So I, I like how you kind of basically you broke it down to me, like kind of you you saw the end and you and then you went work backwards. So basically, like reverse engineer versus thinking, right? So it starts with your thinking. Then you have belief. Beliefs. Attitude. Your attitude. Then your attitude creates your behavior. Attitude creates your behavior. Behavior creates your activity. And your activity creates your results, correct? Simple. It's, it, that's how damn simple it is. And we're, we're making this complex. We think there's some you know, magical formula out there. It's as simple as that. And I could do a whole training on each one of those areas. I could do a whole training on behavior. I can do a whole training on attitude. I can do a whole training on thinking. And every time I do these trainings, it's helping to recondition. Well, first, my own mind, because you know how it is. And when you're doing the training, you're actually re- reconditioning and reframing your own brain. In any area, all those areas that we're talking about, you can help other people reframe this. When I'm doing mentoring and coaching, that's where I'm starting with. I go back to the person's thinking. I want to figure out what are they thinking about on a daily basis? What's in their mind? Because it's their own mind that's keeping them from being what they could be. Think about it like this. If another man or another woman could do it, then we could do it. You know, why, why not? They, they weren't, God didn't give them any extra special powers the day they were born that, that, that we didn't get. We just got to figure out how to pull that potential out of ourselves. And then later on, when you're building big businesses, you start to realize how you can pull it out of other people. And once you start pulling that God-given potential out of other people, now all of a sudden, everybody's talking about you. Now everyone thinks you're great, but none of this is great. This is just simple, basic you know, philosophy, you know, things that, that we all have the ability to, to impact and change. Every single person on the planet could do it. Okay, so I like that. So, you know, just not just giving one answer how people could start a business well having money but you kind of broke it down to the simplicity of you know it starts with your thing it starts with your belief and that kind of you know that works your way up to the activity that you do to create the results have the business so my next question building a business it, it could be complicated you know because myself i have a i have a family nail salon business we've been up and running for about 14 years and you know seeing the process of what my parents had to go through from when i was younger 14 years i was around five at a time and we we're you know both my parents are immigrants so, you know coming from that and watching them they barely knew english but working from the ground up building a business hard what did you have to learn to do you know to build and run and to manage a successful business well let me let me first tell you this because you, that's what you just said that stuff inspires me because think about this for a second maybe the wealthiest country on the planet built on capitalism built on entrepreneurship how is it that we got people that live here speak the language have all the the, the, the resources in front of them and every day they're making excuses of why they can't do it why they can't be this why they can't build this why they can't do that and then people will come from another country can't even speak the language have no connections they don't have the resources and we'll build a business that you said, what do you say? 14 years has been in business? 14 years. This, this year will be moving on 15 years. This, this is what <laughs> it drives me crazy because I meet people all the time. I meet young people that are making excuses why they can't do certain things. And then you tell me a story about an immigrant family that comes to America. Matter of fact, there's so many of these stories all over the place. It, it just, it's just proof positive that, that anybody can do it. You just, I, I, you know, I used to always say you can make money or you can make excuses, but you can't make both. And when people get that down, they'll stop making excuses. and They'll start realizing you can put one step forward, one step forward. So let, let's go back to the, the, the original question. There's a lot of pieces when it comes to building a 
business. Now, a nail salon is going to have its own unique, you know, challenges and, and, and benefits where I've owned publishing companies. I've owned a mixed martial arts cage fighting company. I've owned nightclubs and restaurants. And, you know, I just launched a, a new nutrition company based on uh, swabbing the DNA and building a nutrition product uh, around your specific DNA and supplementing where your body needs it based on you, you know, over 400 million different variations of a nutrition product that we can scale on a massive scale. So that requires a whole different level of, of thinking. We've got build your empire. That's a whole nother level. But th- these are the three things that I always look for just to keep it simple. I want to know that the three main components is, is people, product, and process. So in each one of these areas, you know, I've got, I've got a checklist that I'm going through when it comes to the people. I, I don't invest, like I've, I've got a, a, a company called Metapure, which is going to, you know, list on the NASDAQ uh, at the end of this year, a, a public company that's we're taking public. Now, you, you bet on the people behind it, not necessarily the company itself. So I'm, I'm looking at the people. Who are who is leading it? Everything rises and falls on leadership. Who are the leaders behind it? What is their mindset? Are we philosophically in, in alignment? Do we believe in the same stuff? Because you if you get into a business and you're not in alignment with the people you're in business with, I don't care how great your product is. None of that will make how great your systems are, your processes are. It will make no difference because you've got the wrong people in place. So, so again, it's very unique to each business, but I'm going to evaluate the people first. That's the most important piece in my bit, my opinion. People first. Then I want to know if the right people are in place. I want to know what the product is. is. Is the product something that will, you know, compete in the marketplace? Will it withstand the test of time? You know, those, I want to know the ins and outs of the product. Is it complex? Is it, does it take a lot of explanation? And then the third thing is the process. I've got a whole list of, you know, is the process. If you want to scale something, you've got to have a very streamlined process. You know, we call it system driven versus people driven. You know, McDonald's is the great example of, of process oriented, system driven. You know, Burger Boy in Chicago, you could take him out of that restaurant in Chicago, put him in a, in a McDonald's franchise in Orlando, Florida, and he could do the same job because it's all systematized. And that's how you can serve billions of people around the world. So those are really the three areas that I focus on when it comes to a business. Each business has their own unique pieces. And as we get rolling, like I'm not a big operator. I don't operate a lot of these businesses. Now, today I have, but now I put the right people in the right positions, you know, so you've got the right, you know, the, the right CTO, the right CFO, the right COO, you know, you get a Casey Adams in the chief executive officer position, and then you get a chance to be free, you know, you, so the people are always going to be where everything starts. Okay, so that was leading to my next question. You know, what would be the the, the, the pieces necessary to grow, you know, uh, a million dollar business? Because, you know, you generated, you know, a $200 million business. What would be the next, would you just take the same approach, you know, the three, you said people, product and process. Would you take that same necessary step? Yeah, for sure. You know, you want to grow, uh, look, you start looking at the numbers, you know, when you get to a million dollar a year business, there's a big separation there. A lot of companies never even make it to a a million dollars a year. Again, I'm going to go through that same evaluation process. And the first thing I want to know is who's the thinker behind that business. And you start evaluating based on questions. I'm going to ask questions to find out, you know, what, what is their philosophy? What do they think about? You know, are they prone toward negativity? Are they you know, are they big picture? I, you know, think about it. if you get an, an, you put an Elon Musk in a company like Tesla, and even though the company makes zero money, <laughs> people are flocking from all over the world to, to put more money into that deal. And it's because of him, not necessarily because of the technology. Of course, he's a big thinker, a big picture guy. You want to harness that first. So if you're going to have a, a million dollar company, you've got to have a million dollar thinker first and foremost, someone that truly believes that they could be a million dollar company. And look, it could be anything. Look, paper clips today, you know, could be a million dollar company, you know, whatever you can think of. It's just you have to decide, you have to evaluate based on, you know, who's behind the company. So can you share the most interesting story or thing that happened to you since you started your company? Look, man, there, there are so many. I have so many stories, so many interesting things that have happened to me 
could take one out that that stands out above the rest, what would you say? Uh, you know, I, I would say the most interesting thing for me is the fact that as I was building businesses, the people that were closest to me were the biggest naysayers. They were the ones that that really um, had had no interest in in helping. You know, had uh, they were the ones that were showing up to throw rocks at the idea, at the concept, at whatever we were doing. That was interesting to me. I used to, I, I say now, I used to be frustrated by that, but now I'm just fascinated by that. The people that, that care about you the most will sometimes be the ones that that try to slow you down the fastest. So once you think that happens to like a lot of people, but also like, you know, a lot of people, I'll say young entrepreneurs who are trying to start into entrepreneurship is that closest people around them are the one that are the naysayers, they're the one that's kind of bring them down. Man, look, there's a book called Think and Grow Rich. I encourage everybody to read the book, Think and Grow Rich. It, it's uh, it's the Bible if you want to build a big organization. And in the book, there's 13 things that uh, the most successful people on the planet you know, have in common, you know, that, that, that tie them together. And he, he, they break down the 13 things after, you know, interviewing the Rockefellers, the Fords, the Andrew Carnegie's, the JP Morgan's of the, of that time. These were the big business builders that made fortunes in their lifetime. But in the book, he says the number one reason he said, why is it that so many people have so little and so few people have so much? And he said, the number one reason is that today, most people listen to the advice and the opinions of family and friends. And it's the number one reason why people never get to where they could be because they're, they've got the wrong people in their ears and they start to believe that stuff. And that comes back to that programming and conditioning that will sometimes keep people stuck, keep people trapped. So early on in your career, did you have a mentor to help you kind of guide you in the right direction to help you in entrepreneurship to, to move forward? I did. Yeah, I, I did. I had, um, I had some amazing mentors that were guiding me. Les Brown, he's an amazing motivational speaker as well. I love Les Brown. Les Brown is, is, yeah, you, if you want to get fired up in the morning, put on some, put on some Les Brown motivation. It'll, you know, I get, I, I get jacked up listening to his stuff. I was fortunate that I had access to a guy named Jim Rohn, um, very early, uh, when I had, I had, was building a network marketing business and Jim Rohn was attached to that business and had access to him on a regular basis. And he's like the brilliant, brilliant mind. Paul J. Meyer was another billionaire that was a part of my life, written, I don't know how many books, but these people were, were pouring into me. Again, seeing more of me than I saw in myself had made massive, massive impact on me. So can I ask, did you did you get to meet and did you know Jim Rohn personally before he passed, right? Yeah, I, I, Jim Rohn was a, a big part of my, later on, it, it didn't happen right away, but he he was a mutual friend of a friend of mine named Ray Last. And, and uh, because of that, you know, they had contests and things they would do. And I would always win these contests so I could drive Jim Rohn to the airport or I could pick him up. I could carry his bag, you know, type thing. Yeah. And I would, I would just be around him and soak everything I could in. So I just kind of want to get your perspective. What kind of wakes you up and fuels you every day, you know, to, to do the things that you do? Just, you know, it's a great question because one thing when I'm coaching people, I, we help determine what their why is, you know, what, what is their reason? You know, it's got to be something more than money because if money was the, the biggest motivator, we'd all be rich. There's enough money out there for everybody to have. So we got to dig deeper than that. You know, what, what keeps you up at night? You know, what makes you cry? What makes you laugh? You know, what will get you up early in the morning? And, you know, for me now, you know, I've got kids, you know, so, you know, my kids are a big part of that. They're a big part of the reasons why I'm, I'm willing to work harder and, and uh, get up earlier and stay up later. That's that's a huge part for me. And the other part is, you know, it, and it really, that ties into the legacy part. Jim Rohn one time told me, he said, it, it's, it, it's not just the books that already have words in it. It's the books that you fill up yourself, you know, the journals that you write in. And those will be part of your legacy so that down the road, people will know who you really were because, you know, money 
people that make a lot of money, they don't get written about in the history books necessarily, but people that, you know, accomplish great things and they, they leave a big mark, they leave the world a better place than how they found it. Those are the people that get written about. Those are the people that have that legacy. And that's a, that's a big deal for me now. So what do you kind of see differently? You know, you said early in the beginning of the show, you know, I want to kind of bring it back up. You know, you said early on, you're more focused on success, but now you're focused on legacy. You know, for myself, that's, I'm a young, I would say young entrepreneur. I'm 19, but I kind of been into the, like, you know, as my family background, kind of, I was born into the entrepreneurship, you know, family, you know, I kind of started Lemonade at, you know, selling Lemonade at seven years old, kind of got into net. I was actually in network marketing when I was 14 years old um, with Vima, actually. So, you know, I kind of, I was always, always that, you know, a young entrepreneur trying to get into it. But, you know, like now, even at 19, I'm more focused on success, but it's about thinking about for my future now from 19, but looking in the future, you know, when I'm 40, 50 years old, like how can I create and leave a legacy for myself? So just from your perspective, what, what's the difference for you now from success and legacy? Yeah, well, first off, uh, Vima, I know BK uh, very well. Matter of fact, he was one of the sponsors of our last Build Your Empire event. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a new drink out that they, they patented the uh, Bitcoin symbol liquid assets. So they sponsored uh, the Build Your Empire event that we had a few weeks ago. Matter of fact, BK goes to my, the same church I go to. So I see him on, on Sundays, usually when I'm in town. No, but you know, it, for all these different areas, you know, to go in the beginning, you got, you have to go for success because you've got to get, you know, you got to get your bills out of the way. You got to get your bills paid. You got to keep the bill collectors off of your back and you got to take care of, you know, your obligations. And, you know, and then, and then you can start once you've got a level of success, then people will, you know, they, they tend to, they're more likely to follow you after you've created something, after you've, you know, done something. I put a quote out on, on Facebook uh, and Instagram recently that, you know, basically said, you know, the people closest to you uh, will start to follow you after strangers start to admire you. Uh, so sometimes we got to, you know, we got to build a level of success where some people, other people that we're not connected to admire us. And then we've got, then we can have other people that will start to follow us that are close to us. So you move from that success into significance. And, and basically how you do that is just by switching your thinking that now it's more important for me to add value to your life. It's more important for me to see you win. And I'll tell you a, a quick story that, that really got, that hit home with this. For the longest time, I had bill collectors calling me. Bill collectors were calling. <laughs> I got so used to it, it didn't phase me anymore. So I, instead of ignoring, ignoring their calls, I would answer it. I'd be like, hey, Sue, listen, if I had the money, I would pay you. Trust me. You know, not like I'm you know, rolling around in $100 bills, butt naked saying, ha ha, I'm not going to pay my bills. I don't have the money. I'm not going to pay you. When I get it, I'll send you something. And so I wasn't stressed anymore <laughs> by not being able to pay my bills. But what I started realizing is there were a lot of other people that were stressed about not paying their bills. So watch this. I changed my philosophy when I started approaching people and I started talking to people about whether it was investing in a company or participating in one of my businesses in whatever form. I said, what if you and I locked arms? Ricky, what if you and I locked arms this month and together we worked on paying your car payment or together we worked on paying your rent? Together we did that. It'd be a lot easier with me helping you get your rent paid, wouldn't it be? So that's that's the big difference. It's, it's again, in, in changing the thinking, just changing the thinking to now how can I serve you? How can I help you? How can I make your life better? And it's amazing. You know, I, one of my mentors and one of my coaches is David uh, Meltzer. I don't know if you know who that is, but he's a powerhouse. Amazing, amazing man. And, uh, you know, I, I just talked to him this morning and we talked a lot about this, about, uh, you know, serving other others. But, you know, knowing that that you're, you're doing it, you know, out of, you know, the purity of your heart or whatever, how you want to look at it. But the laws of the universe are set up so that when you take care of other people, when you plant a seed, sooner or later, it's going to come to harvest. And that's the thinking. And so what, what we got really good at doing was helping a lot of people. We helped a lot of people make a lot of money. And of course, because of that, I end up doing well financially. I, I love what you said by everything. But, you know, now it's kind of want to go more deep. You know, what is success to you? What does it mean personally to you? 
What does success look like? You know, uh, success to me means uh, sleeping until I'm done sleeping. You know, not not have an answer to a boss. You know, I was just in Puerto Rico for the Disrupt uh, Conference. They asked me to speak at, and, and you know, I, I decided uh, last minute to go and speak. So it was, uh, I was in Dallas and, you know, I could grab a flight and, you know, fly to Puerto Rico and then, I decided to stay an extra day. It was no problem. You know, I decided to stay, you know, through Monday, which for most people would have been a problem because they would have had to go to work on Monday, but I didn't have that that situation to deal with. So that's freedom. It's the ability to call my friends and say, look, let's let's go to Hawaii this week. Let's leave for Hawaii tomorrow and we all meet up in, in Honolulu. Or to tell my kids that on Thursday, you know, we're heading to Disney World and I don't have to ask permission to do that. You know, I don't have to worry about the finances or whatever, you know, would be associated with that. I love what you say, you know, but it's about the time frame that you have, you know, you're able, you don't have to answer to a boss. You know, a lot of people, they want to be entrepreneurs. They want to be the, uh, a millionaire or uh, work for themselves. But, you know, they, a lot of people have misconceptions. I, I think you would, you can agree. It's a lot of hard work, a lot of long nights and early mornings. What do you think the number one misconception you think people make about entrepreneurship, what they need to actually be doing when they actually taking this approach? I think there's a lot of, I, there's a ton of misconceptions. I think that people think that that you're just going to call yourself an entrepreneur and you're going to be rich tomorrow. <laughs> you now work for the worst boss on the planet yourself. Yeah. Uh, and it's a, it's a process. And if you don't have some nights where you're sucking your thumb in the fetal position crying because you're like, what did I do? <laughs> then you're not an entrepreneur, you know, and, and there's a lot of ups and downs. Some people just are not cut out for it. Some people are better off having, you know, going to that job. So I say it's not for everybody. But when do you know it's not cut out for you? When do you know you're not cut out to be an entrepreneur? You know, I, I had a lot of nights where I was, you know, <laughs> crying myself to see because I, I wasn't sure. But I, I, for me, I didn't have a lot of options, you know, at the time without having a high school diploma, with having the record that I had, it was very difficult. So, you know, I, I had two choices, bum or entrepreneur. <laughs> and I already did bum very well. I was done with that whole thing. So entrepreneur became the obvious uh, way out for me. But it was, you know, look, it took me seven years to make my first $100,000. You know, think about that for a minute. People think you're going to get in and make millions. It took me seven years. My first year as an entrepreneur, I made only $4,000 for the entire year. Nobody, you know, thought I was going to be anything significant. Nobody would say, hey, John Malott's going to help you and grow. You know, people laughed. And, you know, it was it was a sad situation. The next year, I only made $16,000. But watch this. To go from $4,000 in a year to $16,000, $16,000 a year is not a lot of money. But look at it in terms, I started looking at it in terms of I went, I made $4,000, but then it jumped to $16,000. What if I could keep that going? And what, then in the seventh year, I made $116,000. But the eighth year, I made $220,000. And then, and then I remember, you know, then I, when I made a million dollars, it was the next year I made $2 million. So if you do it right and you're scaling this right and you're keeping it simple, you're staying focused, you're leading by example, you can you can experience exponential growth, growth that most people will never feel because they're working in a linear um, fashion. And avert, you know what I'm talking about? So I, I just want a quick question. You know, you say your first year, you know, as an entrepreneurship, you only made 4,000, but then jump into seventh year, eighth year, you jumped to 200,000, but then 2 million. What, what was kind of like the process, like, you know, learning each year and like, what, what did you do differently, you know, each year to kind of make that jump, make that leap to make extra money? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, every year I was working harder on myself than I was on my business. Man, I was, look, every year I was uh, focusing on, on building myself. I had mentors, thank God, I caught on to, to mentors and how important it was for to have mentorship. And they were showing me, you know, the, the way they were teaching me that this is going to take work, that you've got to get disciplined. They told me to sharpen up. They told me to cut my hair. They told me to stop cussing all the time. Now I know today in entrepreneurship, it's kind of cool, you know, to swear every other word. And some of the, our, our biggest influencers that we all know and love, they cuss every other word. You know, when I was coming up, you would turn off some, you know, amazing people just by my language. So they taught me, you know, to, to sharpen up, to work on my, my vocabulary, to work on my communication. They taught me to 
dress better. You know, back then, you know, you, you know, you people were, you know, we're more accustomed to doing business with people that were suited up. Now, today, things have changed. We're a lot more casual. Uh, but I still say there's something to be said for a 19 year old to walk into a business meeting in a, in a sharp suit. You're going to stand out immediately in that pack. So when, I, when I'm still working on something big, you'll see me suited up, ready to roll. I want to make sure I stand out from the crowd. Yeah. And so I work on my language. And sometimes it's not the things you say. It's sometimes the things you don't say. It's what people feel from you speaking that sometimes will get you the deal. I understand. So, John, we're kind of co- we're kind of getting to a close, but you know, before we leave, I have some quick questions I want to ask you. You know, you can't break it down to you know a simple answer for me, please. And the question one is what what's a good business book you would recommend to read? I got a lot of them. I'll tell you one that nobody really talks about is uh there's a book called Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand. It was written in the 50s. Um, an amazing book. It's a big, <laughs> thick book. Um, but I would say Atlas Shrugged. Read that book. It's entertaining, by the way, but uh, the message behind it is amazing about entitlement and, and building something significant and the importance of entrepreneurship. Even that book is more relevant today than it was in the 50s, by the way. You know, of course, I already said a couple of them. How to Win Friends and Influence People is a mandatory book. Think and Grow Rich is mandatory. I like a lot of Robert Kiyosaki's book, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I think is a basic staple that you should have. Something that people don't talk about too. I, uh, I had a mentor that said, he said, you should read the Bible. He said, not for uh, the religious aspects, but for the good quality information that it has. The Bible, the Quran, there's some great, um, what people consider religious book that have amazing uh, principles that can you can build a foundation on that'll last you your lifetime. Okay. So question two, what is one tip you would give to your 19 year old self? Oh, a piece of advice for my 19 year old self. Don't be so damn cocky, humble, uh, radical, humble, be radically humble, be as humble as you possibly can. More doors will open for you, especially when you're young, because uh, young people tend to be very arrogant about everything because you're, you're never going to die. You're never going to grow old. Uh, you know, it, you'll find out very quickly that time flies and, and uh, being humble early will separate you from the pack and open up a lot of doors that wouldn't have opened up otherwise. Okay. I love the answer. So question three is, what can kids or people do today to make extra money or, you know, flip stuff to create, you know, a little extra side hustle or income for themselves? Man, you guys got so many opportunities today. Social media has unlocked and unleashed the entrepreneur spirit like any, like I've never seen before. You know, I, I, again, the book is called Think and Grow Rich. Think and you'll come up with, you know, things. Just find a, a, a problem in society and figure out a way to provide a solution for it. It's as simple as that. And it doesn't have to be massive. I mean, you can create businesses out of anything today. And today, we have access to tools that Fortune 500 companies didn't have access to five years ago for free. You and I are communicating through a medium that would have been unheard of, you know, five, 10 years ago. You know what I'm saying? And it's, and it's clear. It's, it's working. Uh, and you can turn anything into a business. Figure out what, you know, find something that gets you excited and figure out a way to provide it as a solution to people's problems and, and stick with it long enough. Even if it's part time in the beginning, it, it won't be long before People are asking you to consult and before you, you know, before long, you're the expert in that particular area and people will pay you big money. I don't care what it is, photography, saltwater. I, I connected with a guy recently who's become an expert on saltwater fish and I'm paying him to consult me on a saltwater fish tank that I want to put in my home. <laughs> so it could be anything. All right. So last question, you know, where do you see social media and technology is going? I think you got to be on it. I think that uh, today, you know, people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, they they feel like they've missed the boat on it. And I, and I don't I don't think that at all. I think that it's just beginning. I, I think we're just starting to see the power of this medium. You know, I read a book uh, by a good friend of mine, Mark Victor Hansen, who was one of my my mentors, and he wrote a book called The One Minute Millionaire. And basically, the premise of the book is, can you become a millionaire in one minute? And this was years and years. This was before Instagram, before all this. He wrote the book, and he says, yes. The answer is yes if your database is big enough. And he, he encouraged us 
way back, you know, a decade ago to build a big database. Look, we got tools today that help you build databases real fast. Put out some meaningful content like you're doing. You can interview someone. If you don't have all the answers, you can interview someone that has more of the answers. You can put out meaningful content, build your database a little bigger, a little bigger. And at some point, they're going to know you, like you, and trust you, and they'll do business with you. It's, it's really that simple. This thing is it's not going to stop anytime soon. It's going to only get bigger and bigger. There's so many ideas out there that are just coming to light now. If you are catching on, you can use these platforms to move products and services to the marketplace way faster than we could before and less expensively than we've ever been able to do. And so we're coming to the end of the show today, John, but you know, I said before we leave, thank you for taking the time to be here. Before we leave quickly, leave them with one tip that you learned through everything that you've been through, the ups and downs, you know, being a 10th grade dropout, um, being a janitor for General Electric Drug uh, Rehabilitation Center, through everything that you've been through, the heart attack, leave them with one tip to how you got to where you are today. Look, I'm going to give you three. It's And it's real simple. Better than one. We got three. <laughs> I'm going to give you two bonuses on top of that. Stay focused. Today, it's easy to get distracted because we can get on social media not building anything, just distracted not everybody's stuff and all their highlight reels. Staying focused is critical. Leading by example. Never ask someone to do what you're not willing to do. You'll get a reputation very quickly if, if you know, the leader who's in the tent sipping wine while the troops are out charging the hill will not be respected for very long. So keeping it simple or staying focused, uh, lead by example. And then the third one is keep it simple. I, I dumb everything down to its lowest common denominator. Simplicity is genius. Simplicity, you can get duplicating and duplication is what scales. So those would be my, my three tips for, for an entrepreneur. These days. Wow, that was amazing. You know, thank you, John. Thank you for taking the time, like I said, again, for being on the show today and sharing, you know, your story, you know, your tips with my audience and everything that you've been through. Can you tell them where, to make, where they can follow you on social media so they can stay up with you? Yes, please. Um, uh, go to uh, Instagram is my main my main spot. So it's uh, at john.malott. That's M-A-L-O-T-T. Again, at J-O-H-N dot Malott, M-A-L-O-T-T. And then, the, then also I'd highly encourage you to go to the Build Your Empire. So at Build Your Empire uh, on Instagram is, is our other page that... Uh, both those pages, I think you get a lot. You'll get a lot of value. Every day, all I do is that every morning I post something that I, I believe will bring value, you know, to the people who choose to follow. Are you more on Instagram than any other platform like Twitter or anything? Yeah, you know what I do is I have my Instagram connected to my Twitter and to my Facebook page. Yeah, but my but where I where most of my engagement, where you're more likely, I, I respond to ninety percent of the people I respond to on my Instagram. Otherwise, I would never get anything done if I try to do it on three different platforms. So thank you guys for tuning into the Millennium Movement Podcast. If you love this episode, make sure. You Leave a rate and subscribe. Till next time, guys. We out. Doing good work that matters. That's what a career at Mantech means. From protecting our satellites in space to protecting our warfighters in the field. And we are passionate about empowering our people to be their best by providing unparalleled job mobility and offering a free bachelor's or master's degree in cyber or cloud computing. The men and women at Mantech take pride in doing the tough work that keeps our country safe. Do you have what it takes to join our team? Learn more at mantech.com careers. Today at 5 on NBC4. He's a good boy. One year ago, their son was killed in an accident at school. You send your kid off in the morning and then they're supposed to come home. Now, these local parents talk exclusively with Susan Hogan. What gets you through the hardest times? Remembering their little boy. It was the three of us all the time. I miss that. The emotional interview and new law protecting all our kids after our consumer investigation. It is a good thing that is coming out of it. Today at 5 on NBC4.